0: Well, Michael, thank you so much for uh, joining me for for my podcast, and I'm really uh, thrilled to have you. Uh, to have you with, uh, with me today. Um, you are founder of the Corbin Group, a leadership company. You also are a facilitator, a coach, a keynote speaker. You work with leaders to build more inspiring creative and human workplaces. And you also have an experience as a chartered accountant and a professional photographer. So really vast, um, vast expertise across the board. And really appreciate you joining me for Sergey Ross podcast.
1: Thank you. No, great to be here.
0: Uh, Michael, so the first question I wanted to ask you so you are a risk management executive at Amers, uh, a major pe- pension fund. You have 20 years of experience and you make a decision to become a creative leadership facilitator and a coach. Walk me what was going through your mind when you made this decision.
1: Sure. And, you know, when I think of it, one of the quotes that comes to my head, which was in my head at the time, um, you know, I'd rather be at the bottom of a ladder I want to climb that and the top, you know, than at the top of one I don't. And mm-hmm. I think I just reached a point in my career where sort of I had ridden the wave of, you know, moving to different opportunities and ended up in a role that, you know, was was quite senior, um, definitely sort of outwardly looked like, oh, you know, I'm successful. But mm-hmm. what I felt was I wasn't using my creativity and to no fault but my own, I'd ended up at you know, at a point um, in my career where I didn't feel like I was using the full range of my skills. So, you know, I think whenever you're at that point, there's sort of tension um, that you feel just, you know, inside yourself. And mm-hmm. I realized, you know, it was time to, to make a change and that, you know, it wasn't an easy decision to make. Um, sort of, you know, giving up a, a very comfortable job and sort of taking a bit of a step into the unknown. Um, but for me, I think I've always been driven by that learning, growing and for me, that that using my creativity and all my skills just became uh, a big driver in in knowing that you know I wasn't sure what the next step was, but that you know I needed to be doing something different.
0: Then mm. that overpowered your your fears or maybe some insecurities of going from the, the corporate world into as you mentioned as you as you said unknown.
1: Exactly. And it's funny because I always thought, you know, being in risk management, I always thought that I was somewhat sort of risk averse. But then I looked through my career and I've actually quit jobs without having sort of something lined up three times in my career. So, you know, I guess when I, I look back at it, I'm probably not as risk averse as, you know, as I, as I might think. Mm. Um,
0: so there's something interesting you said on LinkedIn. Uh, one of the most powerful abilities we as humans have is no matter what age is to learn, grow, and transform, and everyone ha- everyone has this potential. Yet so few actually take advantage of it. Why do you, Why is this happening?
1: I I think partly because it's hard. It, it's difficult. It's uncomfortable, and just the whole process of reinvention. You know, you have to reach a point where you're comfortable with yourself. You know what you have to offer, where you want to go, and that whole process is you know, it can take quite some time and you have to sort of really dig deep. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, there's another quote that I use a lot, you know, comfort is the enemy of growth. Mm. You know, sometimes we get comfortable and, you know, it's hard to to make that change. And, you know, I think reinvention is going to become, you know, much more popular, especially when you look at AI, machine learning, traditional jobs that that are going to be lost. There'll be new jobs in different areas. Um, But I think a lot of people are going to be forced into sort of reinventing themselves and you know I really encourage people to do it sort of while they can on, on their own terms but um, but yeah I mean I think at the end of the day it's difficult and we don't have a lot of people really talking about what's involved in it so people see you know all the success stories but a lot of people don't really talk about the journey you know mm-hmm. what that looks like and, and what they had to go through uh, to really be able to reinvent their career and the work they do
0: what you mentioned something you, you said something interesting that people will be forced to change and this is what i find happens with most people they wait until life forces them to make a change and they are in this reactive state which really affects their experience and and also how they reflect on it later on but how can someone maximize their learning and their growth right now if they don't have any tools they don't know how to do it, Uh, they maybe read some motivational, maybe they've seen some motivational videos online. Uh, What are some of the strategies somebody can use to at least start on this journey of transforming?
1: Sure, Um, I mean, there there are two main areas, at least in the work I do, that I really focus on. And the first is I encourage anyone, no matter sort of where they're at in their career, is to really define what success means to them. You know, it's something that I I wish I had done a lot earlier in my career, um, because I never really thought about sort of what, what does success mean, you know, is part of it financial, is part of it having an impact, you know, what legacy do I want to leave? And and I find just starting with that question and asking yourself what's important to you, I think to me that is is one of the most important things we can do because everything comes mm-hmm. from there. Um, and I, I've seen it too in a lot of the work I do. You know, I work in a program with newcomers to Canada, you know, professionally educated people. Um, Who are transitioning to sort of their career in Canada? And you know when I ask this question, you know, what do you how do you define success like some people just they've never thought about it? And the question comes as a bit of a surprise and there are a lot of different Mm -hmm. layers because you really have to start thinking You know how much you know everyone wants you know a comfortable life There's a financial aspect, but you have to ask yourself. You know how important is the money really? How important is status to you how important are titles to you um, or, you know, are you really driven by something else? Is it about impact, um, helping others, and, you know, is it a combination of all those things? But really starting to prioritize what's important to you.
0: Right. To have that fulfillment later on and actually be happy, that's, I totally agree, and a lot of times people I find they say, oh, I just want more money, right? But what does it really mean? How, how much is more, right? And does it, is it really going to bring any joy? Uh, or it will be just around material things that in the long term are unlikely to transform you as, as a person or as, to give you that, that feeling uh, people are looking after.
1: You know, exactly. And, and I find just that, that idea of long term thinking, you know, even companies often aren't thinking, you know, beyond five years uh, to some of the changes. And I think in our own lives, we, we sometimes don't necessarily think of, you know, looking at our lives overall and, and what sort of long term impact we want to have. Hmm.
0: How did you transition to being a coach? What was different for you coming from a corporate world? Because it's a big change. Even, even if you're leveraging your expertise in risk management, it's such a big transition. What was, what was it like in the first, in the first weeks, maybe the first month? And then what, what, what had you do to, to build your fundamentals or maybe to change your, or to really look at your values and define your vision going forward?
1: Sure. So, you know, coaching, coaching is really very different to a lot of the work I've done. And even in the leadership roles I was in previously, I used to think, oh, you know, I'm doing a lot of coaching. You know, I've been involved in mentorship programs, but it wasn't until I did my coaching program at Royal Roads University. You know, for me, it was the missing link, I think, in all the leadership skills um, that, that I had And I'd been to a lot of sort of expensive leadership programs throughout my career. But the true coaching skills, that listening, um, you know, being non-directive at times and in some ways sort of letting go of always having to fix things and have the answer, um, it's -hmm. tough for anyone coming from the corporate world uh, because we're so used to sort of putting out fires and fixing and, you know, in our mind working out what the problem is and giving people advice. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me going through the coaching program, and and there were a few people – with me in the coaching program where, you know, we struggled a bit at first because we were used to sort of almost being consultants. You know, we had the, the ideas and just being able to listen and be curious, um, and, and see how things unfold is, is a very different skill set to, to anything I'd used before. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, I think for me, one, just sort of the listening, um, is something that, that I'd really learned because previously in my career, you know, people would be in my office and, you know, I thought I was an okay listener, but there's so many distractions. And, and true listening, where you sort of put your agenda aside and listen to what the other person is saying, um, is, is, really, is really very powerful and empowering. Um, and that is sort of one of the things that I learned through, through the coaching program.
0: Right. And you also did mention something that I thought was very interesting, is that when you left your corporate job, you really started, you redefined your beliefs around success and failure.
1: Yeah. No, it's, you know, I was very much sort of that, that type A, um, you know, just my, my whole view. And I think creativity and that idea of experimentation and failure has mm-hmm. has really changed. And I think almost that there's an element, I think, through coaching of, of just developing self-compassion, mm-hmm. um, you know, allowing yourself to make mistakes, allowing yourself even to have a bad day and just you know, it's okay, today didn't go as I planned, you know, I don't feel great, um, you know, let yourself feel that, and then the next day you sort of move on, um, mm-hmm. but, but really just sort of giving yourself sort of permission to, to make mistakes, to, to learn, essentially, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of this, you know, I might have been in, you know, business for, you know, almost 20 years, but the whole self-employment journey is new to me, and there is, mm-hmm. you know, so much I don't know, and so much I continue to learn. Mm-hmm.
0: How do you define your personal values, and how have they changed over the course of your career? Because you did mention well, that respect was something that you really cared about, and you only re- was and you only very clear about that that was your core value later on in your career, and that that helped you to drive your future career decisions. But how do how your personal values evolved over over time?
1: Sure. And, 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 it's interesting with values because in many ways, you know, when you look back at your life and some of the decisions you've made, you'll probably start noticing that sort of your values, once you identify them, haven't really changed as much. You just, hmm. I think for me, the change was sort of becoming more aware of them and becoming more aware of how they drive my decisions or the impact they have on me, especially when they're not aligned. Hmm. Um, so, you know, you mentioned respect and, and with values like people often, you know, throw in respect, but for me, you know through throughout my career, I'd always notice you know when I'd see people at work who had such potential and their managers you know felt threatened or, or weren't mm-hmm. respecting them um for me, those were the things that that always sort of drove you know I, I knew something wasn't right for me um when I saw those situations and and there's so much you know I still think there's so much mm-hmm. lack of respect that happens on a day to day basis at work um right. so So I think it was really just becoming clear on what my values were and how I could use them in, in, in making decisions. But I, I find with values, if if you look back at your sort of most stressful environments, whether it's work or home, often stress is just a misalignment of values. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, right. is most of us don't take the time to really understand what our values are. Um, and when you do that, I think things become um, a lot clearer. So I think it's more the process. I'm not so much sure if they evolve so much, it's mm-hmm. just, I I don't think I'd really taken the time to to think of of what were my, you know, my true values and how were they affecting my decisions.
0: Right, right. And I've I've came across what Tony Robbins says and this is something that he also preaches a lot is that the conflict comes from people being unconscious about their values or where they either are not clear in what they are. Yeah, uh, Or they know what they are, but they're in conflict where they have a uh, freedom as one of their top values. But at the same time, it, it is followed by security. So that person is going to be paralyzed because how could they possibly have freedom and security? It is uh, yeah. they're going to be constantly in pain. How do you like from your experience, Michael, how would some how can somebody start Defining their values to become more conscious about them so to to bring more clarity in their life and, and simplify decision-making
1: Sure um, So so I think the first is you know for people to think back um, You know think back on their lives think back on some of the decisions they've made and and what was sort of at play at those mm-hmm. times or difficult decisions they've had to make um, and you know even thinking of times when you know the on the positive side, you know, jobs they've really loved or when they felt that, you know, there's been joy or some sort of flow in their life, what were the things that contributed to that? So that's sort of one exercise to to start doing it is, yeah, thinking about decisions you've made. Um, and, and that question, what's important to you? I think when you start you know, just answering that question, you're going to have a list Mm -hmm. of things. And from that list, you can continue to ask questions to really start identifying, well, what are those values? What is important to me? And what is driving sort of a lot of the, the decisions I'm making, um, so, so I think that's sort of one one way of, of really asking that question and starting to sort of get to the values. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you need to do that with someone. You know, you need people mm. who are there to, whether it's a coach, a friend, a mentor, to be able to sort of ask those questions and, and dig deeper. Because, you know, why it's important. A lot mm. of people will, you know, say something like integrity. You know, integrity is my value. But then you have to ask yourself, you know, why is it important? What does integrity give you? Mm. Um, and and really start digging deep because sometimes you know there's surface values and then there are ones right. that perhaps are a lot deeper and and there are only really a handful of of those much deeper values.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and the integrity is so different for everybody. It's yeah. like uh, it, I find it everybody talks a lot of people talk about it, but it, it's it almost uh, a category by itself where it has certain sub values. Where what does it really mean to you? what are the what are the things that make you feel that integrity versus somebody else right
1: yeah and and I think also the big distinction is there are a lot of things we believe in and virtues we believe in um, but you know like trust so some people when they're looking through their values you know they don't see trust there and you know sometimes they say oh well you know I, I believe trust is important and I try to incorporate that in my life um, but you know maybe trust hasn't really been the main driver of decisions they've had to make so Mm -hmm. you know there's that prioritization exercise where you know the things we believe in but not Mm -hmm. everything is really driving the decisions and equally important to us and sometimes those conversations are hard to really say like okay well is is trust so important to me you know I talk about it a lot but but maybe it isn't on my sort of top Mm -hmm. five list even though I still believe it's important
0: I I find uh, that what's really interesting with this is Everybody, and as you said, every person tells themselves a story on a long-term basis, probably. So they already conditioned themselves to believe that, for example, trust is important. But is it really? And what do they really feel? And it oftentimes, coming to that core value, what truly matters is hard when you condition yourself with a story, right? Yeah.
1: Because it's the, the story also is maybe who I want to be versus right. who am I? And uh, and I think people struggle with that, too. It's sometimes this aspirational list of, Mm -hmm. you know, these are the values I want to live my life by. But but who am I? And, you know, Mm -hmm. what are the decisions that that I've been making based on so far?
0: Right. So you wrote an article which I loved. You, You it's called Make Purpose Your Passion. You said many people worry that if they don't feel passionate about one thing, that there must be something wrong with them. What are the relationships between the two, the purpose and passion, and what should you focus or somebody should focus on to be uh, successful and fulfilled long term?
1: Sure. And you know, I, I see it so often with a lot of my clients. And, you know people who come and go I'm you know often they'll say I'm, I'm not passionate about anything which mm. you know often isn't true It's just I think there's so much hype around You know passions and people say you know live your passion mm. and even when I you know went out and started my own business You know a lot of people would say oh, it's so great. You're following your passion and for me It's funny because I, I didn't necessarily ever view it as following my passion it you know I certainly was following my values and you know I was using my my skills and abilities, but I, I think you know passions are passions change. Mm. Um, you know passions change; they're sometimes fleeting. They're you know they they can be situation dependent. For me, purpose I view as as a bit more solid mm. um, over time, and and purpose can you know your purpose can change too. But I think it's you know it's perhaps a, a bit longer term. Um, and you know, I see even now companies are starting to focus a bit more on purpose, and it's becoming a word that's being used a lot. Yeah. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's sometimes sort of hard to differentiate both of those. But but I, I definitely view purpose as sort of the bigger. You know, passion might be part of your broader purpose, but mm-hmm. purpose is sort of the overarching, um, you know, grounding. Right. I just think of a tree and the roots. Like purpose are are sort of the the roots that are going to so, you know, certainly be there, sort of from a longer-term perspective.
0: Mm, so, so anybody is looking into uh, finding their passion, they should start with their purpose first. See what they want to do, and maybe uh, one of the questions they believe this is the one that you had in your one one of your articles is asked: What legacy do you want to leave behind? And questions like that that tr- that are truly uh, go over a long period of time. Define what what your purpose is, and then you could figure out how can you fulfill that with whatever passion is for you at the moment. Or maybe if you don't have one, you develop it for interest and and conscious repetition or, or conscious experiences. But because I find that to it's almost it's hard to develop a It's hard to develop a passion if you don't try things. So you don't have the reference. And if mm-hmm. you ask yourself a lot of questions like, "What is my passion?" Uh, you are limited to a set of references that you have. And if you don't truly experience it, if you only see it or hear it, it is a it is a the reference is not strong enough. But when you actually feel it yourself, you're like, "Oh, this is very interesting. I'm interested in this industry or this role." And then you explore it, and then so you build your passion that it becomes a passionate, and it comes from just a A lot of times, coincidence, that's what I've seen. What are your your thoughts on that?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like as you were talking, this sort of circular, like, you know, so much of, we we try to follow these processes for everything, but sometimes it happens, you know, everything's happening at once, or, you know, it's a bit of that circular reference. Um, Yeah, I mean, I do think sometimes, you know, even for me, creativity, I didn't realize you know, until much later that that was sort of a passion or a big part of of what I wanted to do. Um, But when I started exploring what I wanted to build, I realized, oh, creativity is a big part of that. So maybe there are ways, you know, you can almost back into your passion by, you know, first thinking, well, what vision, you know, what is my vision of where I Mm -hmm. want to be? What do I want to build? What are the values? What's important to me? And from that, um, you know, the passions could potentially come out. Um, You know, when people talk about, you know, I want to have an impact you know social impact or have a broader impact on helping other people you know by talking about the vision it becomes very clear what's important to them and where their energy comes from and and that's the other thing i'd say when you're talking about passions if you just replace it with what gives you energy like stop using the word and then just say you know what sort of things give you energy and i think people answer that question differently because then it's you know family or friends or connecting with people um, and those can you know can definitely be what some people might call passions. um but I, I think it's just sort of a different way of asking the question.
0: I love that. I think this is such a powerful reframe that you just said it. I was like, wow, this is so good because uh, the words matter so much and and it's very much the same thing. but if you say what gives you energy, you can totally get a different answer, but you have this opportunity to get to a core what really matters to you, and I find this is. Like, at least for from what you, when you just said it, for me, it's a type of question where if you could do anything in this world, what would that be? Where you yeah. take away all the constraints people have in their minds, and then they can hit it off right away, like, oh, I want to do this. And this is, I find it's very similar reframe.
1: Yeah, and I, and I find also people need sort of a bit of time to sit with these ideas, because often, you know, there'll, there'll be pressure. People will go to a session, and all of a sudden, they feel they have to have, you know, their purpose and their whole life figured out. And, you know, sometimes you just need to create space and and give yourself a bit of time to sort of try different things and and create space to think about those things to see, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight is is all I can say. But there's so much Mm -hmm. pressure from what we read to sort of have quick results. And I think anything that involves change, transformation, um, it's a bit more of a a longer process. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's sometimes where people have a bit more of a challenge.
0: Right. Right. So you took an art class, and uh, this is very interesting. I'm very curious to know what your thoughts on that are. Uh, so you took an art class where you made a conscious decision at the beginning of the class to try your best and just go with the flow and not put a necessary pressure on yourself to create the masterpiece the very first time. And then you realize that creativity simply cannot thrive in the environment that places more importance on that product than on the process to get there now. What is what is it just an art class and, and this importance of being creative that you didn't put, um, you didn't define the leverage and you didn't have the maybe you didn't have a commitment to make a masterpiece the first time, or you believe this approach will work for the other areas of your life?
1: Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, just you know, part of that was, was very much about sort of being able to let go, which isn't easy to do. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think we all put so much pressure on ourselves on, on a daily basis and, you know, we, we just don't want to make mistakes. And I even remember, you know, in the art class, you know, I was doing, it was a sort of a, a piece that I'd seen at um, the Brickworks and it had sort of some mm. graffiti. And, you know, I'm putting the final pieces on which was almost like, you know, graffiti using white paint. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like standing there like, oh, how do I do this? What if I ruin the whole picture? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's something that, you know, we all feel at, at different times in our lives is, you know, we're going to make the mistake that's going to sort of ruin everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if at the end of it, I did it and, you know, I didn't love it so much, but it's like, oh, it's, it was letting go. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think for me sort of it, it wasn't easy to do, but sort of that lesson for me was there that you know, things won't always turn out the way you want, but what have you learned from the process? Mm. And, you know, I think that's the thing with sort of mistakes or things we want to do differently. Um, you know, we can't always go back. So it's like, okay, what what did I learn and, and how am I going to use this going forward? But I didn't realize that sort of just taking an art class would sort of bring sort of all these, you know, deeper <laughs> thoughts. Um, and, yeah, it, it definitely was was an interesting mm. process.
0: Right, it's such a great way to... To, to, to experiment, try and and I, I think I, I understand what you I understand what you meant by you want to let go of the fear of things that oh if it doesn't work out, uh, but you're still going to learn a lot and then you can take these learnings and apply them maybe even in, in a different area and still be successful.
1: Yeah, and and I think you know as I as I see with a lot of my clients, there's this fear of failure. Um, You know, there there are a few themes that I'm seeing with a lot of my clients, and I think fear of failure and and lack of confidence, just as I speak with people, friends, like those are two of the things that that I find are becoming, whether it's more of an epidemic or maybe I'm just seeing more of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think just creating spaces for people to, to experiment, to be creative, where there isn't this pressure of sort of fear of failure or making a mistake, um, I, I think it can be really powerful, but, but I, mm. I find like a lot of people just don't know how to tap into that or find those opportunities to do that. So you know, people just go through their lives with this constant fear of failure, of making a mistake, and this lack mm. of confidence that really is preventing them from from doing um, you know what they really want to do.
0: I, I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that if somebody just lets go their fear, and they are able to experience a totally different quality of their life because they, they are exposed to so many different things and they will never know, that's the, the challenge I find is people will never know that what, what life can be like if they don't take the first step. How can anybody do that? What are some of the like simple ways that somebody can at least get a preview of the type of experiences they get if they're not constantly fearful mm-hmm. and afraid to take the first step in whatever they're doing?
1: Sure. So, so I think also, you know, the important distinction to make is, you know, some people, you know, everyone's different in terms of how they want to live their lives. Some people are happy with, with where they're at. Mm-hmm. So I think that the question is for people who feel that something's missing or, you know, something just, just doesn't feel right. How can they tap into it? Um, so for me, you know, some of the exercises, or things that I find are important is, is just spending time focusing on strengths, mm-hmm. um, and there was a great a great quote, uh, a woman by the name of Sally Hogshead. She said, "You know to be successful, you don't have to change who you are. you need to become more of who you are." Mm-hmm. And I think it's this idea of you know for people who you know are at that point where they're not really sure they lack the confidence they, they don't know what's next, I think just start thinking of you know your list of strengths and achievements mm-hmm. um, and and work from there as sort of sort of building the the confidence to to really, you know, start thinking about, you know, what are the things you've achieved, what are the things you, you want to do. But I, I really do believe a lot of it comes from from strengths. So I'm not yeah, sure if I answered your question entirely yeah. there, but uh, but I think that's sort of a, a sort of a great way of, of really starting off that process. And and for some people, you know, I think it's just human nature. We we go to our weaknesses mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and we don't spend enough time really Sort of documenting um, what our strengths are, and I think, mm. yeah, I, I think it's a really important part of the process.
0: Absolutely, self-awareness, starting with what you where you're good at, doubling down on that, and then that gives you that confidence that you could do something that you thought you couldn't, or uh, maybe something that made you uncomfortable previously.
1: Exactly, and you know, you can't you can't build success of weaknesses. Um, yes. so, so you know, focus on on what your strengths are, and just sort of reframe. Mm. Um, right. Reframe that. Reframe that a bit.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you this: There's so many people that have this uh, negative stories around them that they can't do something, or they are they they lack confidence. How can somebody change this negative self perception? Uh, what are some of the ways that that you've seen maybe your clients transformed, or or people that you work with uh, that they could they they could do to to change that?
1: Sure, um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's certainly sort of no shortage of negative negativity, and I think we all feel it at different stages in our life. You know, the, this idea of imposter syndrome, um, mm-hmm. I definitely see with a lot of people I, I deal with. Um, I, I find one of the things that sometimes help is actually receiving feedback from others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting, because you know, you know, there's a lot of talk around 360 reviews, but right. often people don't necessarily know exactly how they're perceived or the impact they have on others. And, and it's interesting, you know, sometimes people do 360 reviews and people think, oh, well, you know, it's all about getting the negative feedback and the developmental feedback. But where I've really seen, um, you know, for people who lack mm-hmm. confidence is, is getting positive feedback from others and recognition mm-hmm. um, is, is, is really important in, in them understanding the impact that they're having on others, where their strengths lie. And, and that has really been transformative in a lot of people I've worked with is you know they they didn't recognize the full range of you know they're downplayed because they were focusing on the negative so Mm -hmm. i i think you know feedback um you know getting feedback and and positive feedback and recognition from people you trust is important um Mm -hmm. you know i think it's the same also just you know as as i mentioned before that you know through your strengths um and and it's a process too I, i you know i think it just also, being around people who who know you, who respect you, um, who can sort of share feedback as well, I, I find that that's an important part.
0: Yeah, absolutely, total. I think these these are great steps for somebody to build build up uh, a different different story for themselves. Uh, Michael, the last question I want to ask you: What impact do you want to have in the world?
1: Sure. Um, so you know, I've, I've defined you know, in in my sort of mission statement for my business, um, and it's really my mission statement for my own life, but that's really building more, you know, inspiring creative and human workplaces. Like, that is sort of the lasting legacy, you know, I want to have to know that, you know, with the people I've worked with on an individual basis, with the organizations, that, you know, people are now being more creative, they're they're more inspired. Um, and, and there's, you know, the sense of humanity in workplaces that, when you look at those three things, it really does become more contagious uh, mm-hmm. because the more people that are showing that, um, the more people see it, the more that is role modelled, and and you create this sort of um, you, you create this environment where those things are valued and respected, and I think that has a big impact on performance uh, within organisations. So mm-hmm. you know that that really is sort of the the legacy I want to leave, and and really doing that by challenging the way a lot of business, you know, the way business and leadership is, um, is currently mm-hmm. done.
0: Right. Well, th- thank you so much, Michael. It's been a pleasure and great insights, uh, great takeaways, and a lot of, I find, actionable things that um, our listeners can take, take from that and uh, uh, improve and, and get better and, and maybe define who they are, define their mission, uh, become more self-aware.
1: Great, no, thank you and thanks for the opportunity to share a few a few thoughts and have this conversation.